Hey everybody, this is All Sports Are Bad. I am Patrick on the internet. And I am Jake Whipple. So we're back. We're back. We're back twice <laughs> now. <laughs> Again. You don't know about the first time, but it happened. We did a dry run, mostly to test out Riverside.fm, which is our new platform for recording it's quite remotely. Nice. It's quite nice. I like it a lot. Um, so far, no complaints. It's uh, better than Craig. Craig it did is better fine. Than Craig. Craig was all right. For a but... free option, Craig was good. <laughs> <laughs> For a choice that we made because we had to make a choice, Craig was fine. Craig was a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is also so, a much huge improvement for me because previously I was recording on Discord using my AirPods, which not the greatest sound quality on my end. You did do a thing once where you left the room <laughs> and went outside. The wind was not kind to that recording, but other than that, I mean, they were kind. Of, they're pretty. I mean, for what it was, Discord, iPad, AirPods. I think it was fine given those parameters, you know. In context of what it was, it worked yeah. out okay. When you were indoors, it was sick. <laughs> I was not always indoors, though. The dog the had problem. to go out, though, so what are you going to do? <laughs> I have to, I've, been, I've been in here for some time. The dog needs to go outside. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. No. I guess we could have just paused the broadcast. Jake. No. <laughs> there are no edits on All Sports Are Bad. We never edited anything. <laughs> like the most edited podcast <laughs> one, of, one of the most out like unscripted certainly yeah. um yeah but we are back sports are still happening um despite uh a whole thing that you all know and love is the coronavirus oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah sports are weirdly happening um we haven't been doing podcasts because sports are weirdly happening we kind of don't like it that mm -hmm. it's happening um Specifically, the NFL and the MLB yeah. have been pretty terrible yeah. about all of this. Yeah, it's just it's just feels still feels gross, like trying to watch all of these things happening. Like the NFL's trying to do its thing. Uh, the basketball is back now in some sort of weirdly normal capacity. And as nothing, I don't really like listening to an announcer, announcer try to carry water for the leagues about how they're overcoming the coronavirus, which oh yeah, is not that. how this is working. Um, and yet we're here still, like I watching sports. Like I watched on purpose. I watched a Seahawks Rams Rams game, which is just as likely to end in an unwatchable blowout as it is to be nine six with like four missed chip shot field goals. Um, like, I'm watching the worst possible matchup in the sport that consistently produces the worst possible matchups. Like, I am part of the problem, so. I think that, I don't know, I feel like we watch the Seahawks just to, like, because we're Seattle residents and the Seahawks mean so much to Seahawks fans here that it almost feels like it's, like, you're kind of being a part of the community, even if I actively think they're dumb. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where I am with it. We're all watching. I mean, I'm just like, eh, yeah. Russell Wilson's pretty good, yeah. objectively it's, it's speaking. Pretty good quarterback. He's I don't pretty know. great. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, so we're now at two incidents in the NFL season where a team has been made to play without an entire position group. Uh, the Broncos famously played with no quarterbacks a few weeks ago, and the Browns recently played with no wide receivers. Um, and both times it's been bad, like it's bad teams playing bad football games, and it's not fun to watch unless you think the main problem sports has is that people are too good at them, which is a weird take to have, but, you know, to each their own. Unless you um, wanted football to be more dangerous. You're like, hey... <laughs> You know that you know that very important position, quarterback. Let's just put a guy out there and see what happens. It's not good. Like, oh, is he gonna get? He could get receivers hurt. He could get himself hurt. He get running backs hurt. He can call the wrong play. He could fail to call an audible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you fail to read the defense, and you kind of just send your running back into getting smashed. That doesn't sound fun. Like, no. that that doesn't sound good. It's it's kind of awful. And regardless of how many people were like, well, he is like an NFL player, he understands stuff. It was like, "Ah, no, it's dangerous. It's still dangerous. There's Um, a reason he's not a quarterback (laughs) in the NFL. But it doesn't matter because there was never, like, none of this, like, as dangerous as all that shit is, as, like, as awful as all of this is, there doesn't really matter in the end because there was never going to be a scenario in which the leagues didn't, like, have a season because they have TV deals to honor. They have money to make. And it's got to happen no matter what because... It's like we live in a capitalist society. They have to keep the money moving. Like they have to make money the same way dust bunnies accumulate dust. Like they have to roll around on the floor in the piles of money while some of it sticks to them, and then they just keep going and going and going. And if they ever stop, they stop making money. Like they're no the dust bunny can't grow if they don't keep moving. So they're making the same calculation that um, society as a whole is making, which is there's an acceptable human cost to continuing to roll on the floor in the pile of money. Um, and uh, just keep doing that in the way things are. Um, and if you stop doing it, if you stop with the way things are and everything works out fine, that means the way things are wasn't so great. Clearly wasn't the perfect system. Um, so they have to figure out how to make sure that that eventuality isn't even possible. So there's got to be an acceptable cost in human lives, which is apparently anything as long as everything goes okay for us, the people rolling on the floor in the pile of money. Um, and now what we're dealing with is a bunch of leagues who have explicitly acknowledged that if somebody dies, that's just the cost of doing business. Like that's just, that was the risk. It's all the grossest thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, it makes sports incredibly hard to care about. Um, and I've tried, I've tried to care. And every time I'm like, ah, do I though? (laughs) I'm like, no, because people are dying because of the the precedent that all these are setting. Mm -hmm. And I think in the case of the NFL, one of the things that I find so repulsive about it, and baseball a little bit too, is that they're kind of, they kind of like that they are not taking health protocol seriously. Yeah. Because it, they're a huge chunk of these two fan bases are widely anti-science and wildly stupid, and mm-hmm. they know it, and they know that these this group of people gets off on this type of defiance in the face of common sense. Yeah. And so they're, they're kind of like, you know, kind of sending a wink over to their fan base, like, going, Oh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, whenever they, whenever they tout about how they're triumphing over the coronavirus by playing a football game anyway, even though it's absolutely insane that they are, it just, yeah, it's gross I to think- me. I think that's definitely a really, a really valid point. Um, but even if, 
even for people like us who actually care about, you know, the impact of uh, coronavirus and believe in the science and all of that, if you were to try to keep up, like, in the news cycle with all of the COVID incidents in sports over the course of a week, you can't do it. Like, you run out of time to cover it. You can't follow through. Like, unless you're talking about an incident in exactly right now, like... Unless we were broadcasting what we were saying right now live about some sort of specific person who's been infected or some sort of result that was imp impacted by the coronavirus, we'd be out of date um, by tomorrow morning. Just because, like, the news cycle needs a new story, and there's always a new infection, so there's a new story that's a new infection, so you never check back on the original infection, right? Like, right yeah. while Armstead has been in the hospital twice for coronavirus, and everyone has forgotten about it because of every single other player who's gotten the co gotten, gotten COVID. You know, like you just can't keep up like it's a, it becomes impossible to keep up. And that in and of itself works to uh, be be diminutive of the impact of the virus in sports. Yeah. Um, and there's I don't know. I just don't think there's much else to say about it. Ultimately, like people die during sports games, like during a one hour sports game, uh, 83 people die of coronavirus in the United States. Um, which That's is, insane. That's it's nuts, right? Um, and that, but this is just true. Like this is just yeah. the background of the world we live in now. It's then the background of this uh, the culture that sport has built. Like, you know, the the uh, Titans beat the Jets twenty seven to seven, and eighty three people are dead. It's nuts. Yeah. And people are just, you know, the the NFL is banking on people not caring. Yeah, they're banking on they're banking on you know the news being so much and so often that you know you just people are tuning it out. Yeah, that's that's the goal. That's the thing that they're tr that everyone's trying to achieve. Um, anyway, to the listeners, we bring this up mostly because we felt it was important to make sure we acknowledged COVID at some point in our return to podcastery. Um, and this is like there, we don't have there's nothing that we're going to say about it. You can't you haven't heard or won't hear from somebody else like we don't there's no fresh or original thing here really it's bad it's shitty but it's also just the way the environment that sports exist in now but we felt we feel felt like it was necessary to acknowledge that especially since we haven't you know we haven't heard from us since what july so may may damn that was the last last dance yeah wow that's a long time in the meantime the padres traded for blake snell and hugh darvish that's pretty, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> and on to baseball. On to baseball. <laughs> Who'd have never had any issues <laughs> with coronavirus. Zero problems any at all ever. That, their World Series wasn't a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> that ending. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong at <laughs> all. There was a baby on the field. <laughs> Justin Turner's baby? Too? It was somebody's baby. I just saw <laughs> the baby and like someone tweet, like M the MLB official account tweeted, isn't this precious? And I'm like, no! <laughs> That's the a baby's... fucking baby! The baby might get coronavirus! <laughs> On the World Series trophy that the guy with coronavirus was just kissing. <laughs> Insanity! <laughs> what? Is... That's not even, this isn't even the point of our baseball discussion. Sorry, Padres, I just derailed you to be mad about the World Series. It's a very Padres thing to have happen to them in fairness. <laughs> oh, the Padres. It was a year ago. 
when we did literally a year ago to this mm-hmm. week. Yep. When we did the big Padres board. And then we realized that's a lot of work, man. <laughs> <laughs> we probably will not ever do that again. Um, I really enjoyed doing the statistical part of it. Um, I really enjoyed um, learning things through data. Yeah. That, that was, was fun. Cool. That was very cool. That's always fun. Yeah. Didn't really work, though. <laughs> no no one liked it except for us, which is, like, fine. That That's going to happen in our podcast a lot. We did. That was a thing we did for us anyway. Yeah. But it did it did solidify the narrative about what the Padre what mean what being the Padres means, right? And the Padres are the most generic, the least remarkable, the dullest team in sports, yeah. or they were until like last week. Yeah, now they're or this past season, really. Like they're so yeah. they were so cool to watch, and their brown uniforms are so awesome. Who makes brown good? <laughs> Apparently, this version of the Padres, Just the Padres, suddenly the anti-Padres. Yeah, they make Brown look cool. And I'm not trying to sound like a UPS commercial. <laughs> make Brown cool. Yeah, I I quite enjoy watching the Padres. Uh, what they're doing right now is it's it's cool. You want to yeah. see teams try and win. Yeah, it's refre- it's weirdly refreshing in baseball. Yeah, there are, like, because they have, they signed Manny Machado last year. They've developed Fernando Tatis Jr. into possibly the best young prospect in baseball. Um, signing Blake Snell and Yu Darvish, like, these are, Blake Snell might be the best pitcher in baseball. Um, and Yu Darvish is very, very good. Um, they signed Mike Clevenger coming into this season as well, who's a very good young young pitcher. Um, they have a really good roster, a really good lineup. I don't know what their bullpen looks like, but... It's not really important, but it means they're going to try to win. Like, they are actively trying to win baseball games, like, on purpose and everything. Yeah. Um, which makes this means they're just like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Braves, maybe the Brewers or the Twins, depending on who gets hurt more, and possibly the Red Sox or the White Sox if the Brewers and the Twins both explode. But otherwise, the White Sox aren't going to try until like a year or two from now. That's it. Yeah. Those are the only teams trying to win baseball games. Yeah, the White Sox have their own issues. Maybe they're not trying to win as hard. Yeah. Or they're trying to do so in the dumbest way possible by signing Tony La Russa. But that's neither here nor there <laughs> with the Padres. Or not the Padres, the White Sox and their attempts at, I guess, sabotaging their own good rebuild. <laughs> which is previously pretty so good. Well. Things were going great. And now Tony La Russa's there. And yeah. fuck. Fuck that. <laughs> Tony Fuck that for so many just, reasons. We're not going to get into. Yeah, he's Maybe such a later. Bad person. Yeah. Um, we can shit on Tony Larusa another time. Yeah, another the podcast. Main issue, the main issue here that we want to like the Padres trying to be good, trying very hard to be good. They are one of like four teams trying to be good, and it sucks that baseball teams do try not to be good, or at least they put no effort into it directly. Um, it was like it's hard to find teams that are consistently and actively trying to win baseball games anymore like i saw i saw someone make a crack that like the new market inefficiency in the in baseball is getting good players and paying them so that you are a better (laughs) baseball team (laughs) no it's true that's what that's like it sounds almost like an ironic take like if you told me seven years ago that's what it'd be like i'd be like ha 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 you're funny (laughs) (laughs) no that's really yeah paying what players are worth and actively wanting good 
free agents is the market inefficiency. Yeah. For, you can for, get more for less on like yeah. in that context these days. It's because um, the, the culture is surrounded by um, unless you are right up close to winning the projectedly being one of the best teams in baseball. I shouldn't even say winning a world title because winning a world title involves so much more than just being the best team in baseball wins and losses wise. They, basically they, a lot of teams are playing this as if they won't even make an attempt unless they're like a 90 win team or better projected. Yeah. And that's projecting using their in-house stats and who knows what, what's going on there Yeah, for every team. You can't. Yeah. No, you don't take a shot unless you feel like it's the shot. Otherwise, yeah. you just tear it all down and start over. Yeah, and that sucks. It does That's not suck. fun. It's no, no, it's terrible to watch. Like and like, there's specific um, events in baseball that I think have fed into this. One, the Rays going to uh, the uh, World Series this past year, I don't think helped at all. Um, like that's a team full of rookie contracts and arbitration guys who are just going to get traded or not get re-signed the whole time. It's the only, that's, that's what the Rays do. They come up with the most optimal way to deploy whatever guys they happen to have on hand. Um, they try and get the best young talent they can for as cheap as possible. And to their credit, they've been very good at winning baseball games doing that, but they've, they're not utilizing any further resources to do it. You yeah. Know? Um, There's a reason the Rays and the Oakland A's sound the same. Because they are the fucking same model. <laughs> they are Billy Beaning. Yeah. <laughs> They're Billy Beaning a lot. Yeah. Um, then there's... Uh, one of the other ones I look at is when the Nationals let Harper walk to the Phillies. Um, and Harper's been fine um, for Philadelphia, if not quite what he was advertised to be. But uh, the Nationals then went immediately, ran it back, and won a World Series, which does not help the case that you need a star player to win a title when yeah. you actively let the star player go and then immediately win a World Series. After. And then Howie Kendrick wins you a title. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not that's not helping. Certainly. Yeah, no. It, it It is weird. But like I said earlier, like, the different, like, being the best team in baseball and winning the World Series are, like, two different things. Which mm -hmm. is kind of... The weird culture of baseball, which I guess is one of the reasons why a lot of people in America don't really like baseball that much. Yeah, well, because it seems like what's the lesson that's being learned from by all the franchises is you don't need the best players; you just need ones who are just barely good enough. Um, and that, like, and that information is getting easier and easier to obtain. Like, as as a Analytics in baseball and uh, advanced statistics get more and more accurate and better at projecting uh, player values and what goes into winning baseball games. Those numbers are easier to boil down, and then you have to figure out, you know, where to where to put the money into getting as close as possible, right? Um, and there's also no such thing. This is a bit of an aside, but I don't feel like there's any such thing as great baseball players at this point, like. No, it's just not to say guys aren't really, really good at baseball, but there's no, there's no, like, magical players, like, right. you know, back in the day, like, Mickey Mantle was, like, this handsome, suave horn dog who, like, was out in the world and was one of the most famous people on Earth, and everybody loved him, and now we have 
and everyone thought he was the best baseball player on the planet. And now we have Mike Trout, who's the best baseball player on the planet and is also an amateur meteor meteorologist who's like 47% Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're, I mean, a lot of this is like, how much does the overall culture care about baseball? Yeah. And not that much. And also, it's baseball players are boring for the most mm -hmm. part. Outside of Mookie Betts and Fernando Tatis Jr., yeah. baseball player, the good baseball, the great baseball players are kind of boring. Like I don't, even when Buster Posey was in his heyday, no one was like, "Oh, I want to party with Buster Posey." No. <laughs> They're just not that I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> like I'm not even trying to like make the like baseball has no cultural relevance take. Like that's we've already done not it. Really, what I'm saying, yeah. Like read my Twitter that. account if you want that take. <laughs> yeah. the, the is just that nobody cares anymore. Like, yeah, it's been said. <laughs> Babe Ruth was the most was the main slugger for the New York Yankees and was probably the most famous person who has ever lived in America non-presidents division. Um, Giancarlo Stanton is the current main slugger for the New York Yankees and when he was in a music video for Lexi Pantera's Deep End hundreds of millions of people said who are Giancarlo Stanton and Lexi Pantera yeah meanwhile it wasn't that long ago where Kanye West wrote a song called Barry Bonds and everyone knew what the fuck that song was about mm -hmm. without even having to listen to the Kanye West song Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds was, a, I mean, a cultural icon for a lot of like weird, fucked up reasons. But he was a cultural <laughs> icon. <laughs> How he got there, that's awesome and weird and not great. Maybe great, and I don't know. Like what? It's, it's all up to you. <laughs> Should be in the Hall of Fame though. But you can have your neither here nor there. Definitely yeah. a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Voting, not voting for Barry Bonds to be in the Hall of Fame is a great, gross, gross oversight. Yeah. A very many old white guys are currently actively making. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, yeah, but, like, it's just, I don't know. It's weird to me that there are no, like, real baseball stars. Like, you mentioned Betts and Tatis, and, like, I think that's going somewhere, for sure. Um, I see but... Fernando Tatis on commercials. That's yeah, no, that's working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw that, too, but, like, it, it took me a while. I, the only reason I knew it was Fernando Tatis, and I know who Fernando Tatis is, is because they mentioned it specifically in the commercial. They're like, this is Fernando Tatis. <laughs> They're getting there, man. They're getting there, man. It's hard. It's hard to build a. It's hard to build an icon out of it as a base for a baseball player. Like it, yeah. it's it's hard. They're trying. What he was does. He does. For? It was like some kind of like fancy Gatorade. I think uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like okay. super fancy Gatorade. There's a Serena Williams one where it's obvious that it's Serena Williams because she doesn't have to say she's Serena Williams. But the Fernando Tatis one, yes, they had to be like, hi, I'm Fernando Tatis. And like, this isn't my real hair color, but... Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. <laughs> my dad played for the Mets. Or no, was he? He was an expo. I mean, who cares? Why am I expo. doing this right now? <laughs> no, no, he definitely no, he definitely was an expo because they, like when Tatis Jr. and Vladdy Jr. came up, they were both like, both sons of former Expos. Okay. I remember this Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, baseball has faded in the public eye for a lot of reasons. Um, like, people often want to blame, like, the 94 strike or, like, steroids. But I Only, think, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think there's more to it than, like, just people hate unions and drugs. Um, famously, <laughs> most people love drugs. Um, it surged the in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Like baseball was hot when the Yankees and Red Sox were going at it. You know, mm -hmm. when, like, from that era between, like, 
the closing of the steroid era to basically like I want to say 2009, 2010-ish, you know, with the Phillies had a run and baseball was still pretty hot. Like yeah. um people wanted to watch the Yankees. People wanted to see what the new sh- new dirtbag Red Sox were up to, you know? Like they wanted you know, uh the Phillies got hot. Like it was it was people cared and then people stopped. I mean, I don't yeah, like it seems like in the aughts there was something to latch onto, and now there just isn't. Um, Got tired of seeing there's... the Giants win the World Series, yeah. like boring World Series <laughs> <laughs> every other year. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I don't know who else won World Series in that stretch. The, the Cards, uh, the Cards won in. Let's see, the Giants in ten, Cardinals in eleven, Giants in twelve, Red Sox in thirteen, Giants Four. in fourteen. And Royals in 15. Was the Royals, yeah. And then Cubs in 16. That was the mm-hmm. one year people cared. <laughs> the one outlier of a year um, was because it was one of the most historic things to ever happen in sports. Yeah, but even then, I have a hard time finding people who aren't Cubs fans who actually gave that much of a shit about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was, I was at a bar when it happened. It was pretty nuts, and most people didn't like sports in that bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Um, I remember that. Um, it's pretty wild in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, went, it, went, it did go a little crazy. Um, but, yeah, like, it's curious to try and figure out what happened and, like, why nobody cares about these players. Because, like, even with um, even back with the Giants and um, all them in, in the teens, there's still a couple of names. Like, Tim Lincecum has a little bit more purchase now than like maybe clayton kershaw does now like comparatively oh back then yeah oh for sure yeah, yeah. because he he meant so much to i uh, one of the largest demo or not demographic one of the largest markets in the nation is the bay mm-hmm. area uh he meant so much to that but like even if he wasn't the best you know or he didn't turn out yeah. to have the best career be one of the greatest of all time he just meant so much yeah. to so many people that it just made people give a shit Right, and like, but here's like sort of where that intersection gets weird is because like, there's the relevance of Tim Lincecum, right? And then there's the question of Tim Lincecum's value as a player on the field, sort of in the aggregate, sort of analytically, and then his his value um, financially to the franchise in that context, right? Like, there's the cultural significance, there's the um, winning percentage significance, and then there's financial significance of the player, um, ultimately. And like, there's so. And it really comes down to for a baseball team, sort of in the abstract, is like wins and money, right? Yeah. Does that, does that seem like a fair assessment to you? That like, if you want to really think about the way players are evaluated in the modern in modern analytics, it's about wins produced and money spent. Um, yeah, yeah. I hate that the money part's there, um, but people do like to care about whether or not their team is overpaying quote-unquote for a player mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's wins and money it's it's racking up war and not spending a lot of money if you're an executive mm-hmm. for fans it should just be racking up war yeah it should just be about wins theoretically yeah. it's not because people have brain worms but you know <laughs> um, yeah yeah so generally speaking contracts based on wins above replacement um like if you look at average contract values and um what they are based on what the uh, wins above replacement produced by players at that value are. Like, they tend to run linearly. Like, if you produce one war, your contract is 
about 8 million bucks, 2 war 16, 3 war 24, 4 is 32, and that's the concept, right? Like that's how those curves sort of are plotted over time, except what generally happens is that players in the mid-range are overvalued and players at the high range are undervalued. Um, for example, uh, you pointed this out um, because when in initial runs of this, I said Harper had been bad and you pointed out he had not been bad. He's actually been performing at, what? what's the number? Uh, $5.6 million per win added? Uh, let me pull that up real yeah. quick. But yeah, 538 had the average wins above replacement or the, the dollar value for a win being mm -hmm. at $8 million. Right. And, um, I mean, you weren't wrong in saying that Bryce Harper wasn't as good as he was before, because he's literally half the player. But yeah. being half the player, he is still outperforming his contract by being worth, he is $5.9 million per win, so he's already beating the value. Yeah, so he's essentially yeah. $2.1 million less expensive than he should be. Underpaid, weirdly. <laughs> weirdly yeah. underpaid. I don't like yeah, I don't like like latching onto these dollar values because it, it makes me feel like I'm like one of those, you know, baseball analysts that's getting caught up in like money for like saving billionaires, but that's not really where we're coming from right now. Yeah. What but we're yeah, actually saying is that you're they're not spending enough. Like, no, they're not. Yeah, like because no. they're they're like, and that's Bryce Harper two point saving you two point one million dollars. That's per win produced, and he produces what three to four wins. Yeah, and in so his, that's actually yeah, and his first year of the contract, he only made ten million. Yeah. Whereas I think in this so, thing, I I I said he was making twenty six per year. That's what he's making for the most of his contract. But the, for that first year, he only made ten. Yeah, which is nuts. So he's actually. The guy, the guy who signed a 13 mil, 313 year, three hundred and thirty million dollar contract is actually making less money than he should, based on the val his value on the marketplace. Yeah, and he's not even as good as people thought he was going to be. In that same five thirty eight article written by Neil Payne, um, they make the case that Mike Trout's a four hundred thirty million dollar bargain <laughs> based off of the same uh, by based off of this same value, which is. Once again, that's it's nuts. It's nuts yeah. that these players that are being paid numbers like that, people will see num your average person who doesn't care about sports will see a number like four hundred thirty million dollars, three hundred fifty million dollars, and think, "Wow, these people are overpaid." The reality is, because of how much money baseball teams make, um, they're not. They're actually underpaid. Yeah. Um... My favorite one that I figured out, I did this, this is research I did myself, so it could be, I might have made mistakes, and I apologize if that's the case, but, so Mookie Betts uh, just signed a new deal with the Dodgers, and his contractual uh, average annual value is $30.4 million. That's not necessarily what he's paid each year, but as a flat rate across the life of the contract, that's what you're paying him, right? Um, he's, and he supplied 3.4 wins above replacement in 60 games in 2020. 2020 is a weird year. It might not be totally fair to use these numbers, but it's at least... It's in the books. It's in the books. We like, can't not. These are, we can't like, not use them. Yeah, they counted. They, yeah, that's they, real information. <laughs> they ended the standings for the regular season after 60 games. That's all we can do is count what we got, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and multiply that by two and a half uh, just to like make it 150 games played roughly uh, and sort of extrapolate. So that for uh, bets is... 
what is that? How many wins is that? I don't remember. Um, 6.8 plus something. I don't know. It's something like eight wins. It's 8.1 wins, something like that. Yeah. Um, which means that Betts was paid per win produced over 150 games uh, $3.57 million. That's less than half the going rate of a win on the open market. Yeah. That's really good or really bad, I guess, depending on who you are. Like, I, it should be really bad. That's, I mean, it's good that Mookie Betts is that good. It's bad that he's being underpaid at this level when you look I mean, at that structure. And the reason he's in uh, L.A. in the first place is because one of the richest teams in baseball, the Red Sox, didn't want to pay him more money. That's absurd. I, I didn't think I could hate the Red Sox more than the Yankees. <laughs> like, if you 20 years ago, if you told me... You told like fifteen year old me to be like, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna hate the Red Sox way more than you hate the Yankees." I'd be like, <laughs> "Wow, that's dumb." Lo and behold, here we are. Um, there's one other thing I want to point out as to like how underpaid Betts is based on his value to a uh, baseball team, um, and it's I also want to head off another argument that people make about why these guys shouldn't be paid more. Um, so. People often argue that, like, oh, these big contracts don't go out because teams don't want to pay the luxury taxes associated with them. Um, that luxury tax is capped at 50% of the overage um, after, I think, four years of being over the tax, the luxury tax limit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so theoretically, if the Dodgers were in that maximum luxury tax uh, penalty area and the entirety of Mookie Betts' contract was luxury tax was being taxed on the luxury tax uh, that is at 50 percent um effectively making him uh putting him at 150 percent of his contract effectively making them pay him 45 million dollars a year not really but you know effectively to the in the team's books um he still is outperforming his contract by two full wins and to buy those two wins that they are still getting from him at that 150% rate would cost them $16 million, which is more money than it, than um, the rate they pay bets by about a million bucks. Wild. The Red Sox are one of the top five teams in revenue. Yeah, um, you sent me this earlier. Yeah, the list of the revenue they are behind the dodgers but not by any amount that would matter to a normal person i mean yeah the the top five teams by revenue so yeah. the giants cubs red Sox, dodgers yankees from five to one that's what it was mm -hmm. uh those are all they very very really rich teams only two of them uh win baseball games yeah uh three <laughs> of them are actually very bad uh <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's not great. That doesn't set a good precedent if you look at it. Um, but yeah. that's, so speaking that's the of, system. Yeah. Speaking of the Cubs, who are what? The fourth highest earning team? Or are they fifth? Uh, San Francisco's fifth. Uh, the Cubs are fourth. So the Cubs are fourth. So the Cubs are owned by the Ricketts family. And they are the ones who traded you Darvish to the Padres in order to save money. Um, Darvish is being paid uh, $21 million AAV. And across his entire career has pretty much reliably been worth three and a half wins, um, which is $6 million per win, which is obviously less than we were just talking about. Um, further, of the top ten highest paid players in baseball, seven of them are starting pitchers, uh, which suggests to me that a, a win from a starting pitcher is obviously valued more by uh, management than from a position player, but 
I don't know where that number would be specifically, and I'm not going to speculate on it because I haven't figured it out. Yeah. Um, but regardless, Darvish is an obvious bargain and positive, and like it's obvious, it's clearly a really good pickup for the Padres. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, the Cubs are just sort of slashing salary in order to save themselves money, despite being owned by real estate billionaires from Chicago, who, if you ask me, are explicitly trading on the idea that uh, on the World Series they won in 2016, and the idea that like they're gonna build for the future again and reload, which is something that I love seeing love seeing teams do because they're constantly trading proven assets for guys who are like 19 and then being like, well, you can't say for sure it was a good trade because we don't know yet because the guys we traded for are too young. Yeah, it's the Jerry DePoto School of Baseball Executive Management. <laughs> it is... Exactly. You, you, acquire, if you acquire assets in trades in your attempt to rebuild and also getting rid of those assets before they can take shape to acquire more assets. And you can never say that you're not rebuilding, or you can never say that you're not on your way to being good if you're always on your on the right path. You know, and you can never be proven a failure because the assets you acquired never turned out to be failures under not under your watch anyway. Mm-hmm. If they did fail, they failed under someone else and you got someone young that you can then go forward with. But you're probably not actually going to go forward with them <laughs> and you're probably just going to trade them later. Yeah. And that's why Jerry DePoto has seven years of runway to not make the playoffs with the Seattle Mariners and Mariners fans seem relatively happy with him. They have guys on their team that I think if this 16 game playoff thing does happen, they, they will have a shot at making it, but that doesn't like, that doesn't really excuse Jerry DePoto's Jerry DePoto-ness on just, creating this idea that he's great without ever actually being great ever and never ever ever being great ever (laughs) which is which is astonishing and it's just one huge bullshit lie and also he's a racist which we've covered in the past (laughs) and that's we're on we're on record saying jerry depoto is a racist we showed up with some receipts um and maybe someday we'll get more who knows a lot of other people Uh, showed up with receipts too People just chose to ignore them. <laughs> yeah, to, but the Padres, to cape for Jerry Depoto, which you know what? It's why, fucking insane. It's I Come don't on. I can't explain it. You could like you could do this for literally well maybe not literally anyone else. We did discuss how Tony Larusa is back in baseball. Oh god, lots of other people. <laughs> it would god, be damn. less gross. Um, yeah. So the Padres to their credit, have taken advantage of the fact that the uh, Cubs are just like, I don't know, being base- good at baseball is dumb and I hate it. I would rather just have money and not do anything ever. Um, yeah, the Ricketts were like, we haven't been good for a while and we're still making money? Okay. Let's be bad. <laughs> we're just going to do that. It's fine. Um, but, uh, so they're doing the thing that you should do, which is get some good young talent, like, I don't know, a Fernando Tatis Jr., and see if they turn into anything. And then sign a bunch of good players on the on the free agent market, like, I don't know, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, Mike Clevenger, and then trade for really good players from teams who don't want to pay them, like Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. Yeah. And this is how you be good at baseball. Like, this is the very simple thing that you have to do to be a good baseball team year in and year out. Yeah. There are three phases of it. None of them are actually that complicated, except maybe scouting and developing talent. 
It seems very complicated. <laughs> but that part seems hard. That part seems super hard. But um, <laughs> that's what I mean. I I feel that the Padres are being driven. They're being. I mean, what they're doing is great, and I don't want to say mm-hmm. that they're you know less than. But what they're doing is driven by their direct competition in the NL West, the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers have been developing and spending money at the same time for pretty much this past decade. Um, it started in 2012, 2013, I, when, when, they, when, they, when they signed Puig and they just started going off. They had a rookie of the year pretty much every year. For, yeah. for the while there, they had, they, they had um, Jacques Peterson, uh, Little Big Seeger, um, and Bellinger. You know, yeah. and more. Like they keep churning out young players, and they keep spending on free agents. That's that's the best thing you can ask for if you're a fan of a team. I hate the Dodgers, but I do believe that they are. I mean, aside from their disgusting, weird World Series ending with full of coronavirus, <laughs> which is the super spreader World I Series uh, I thing, agree. I hate that. Let's go on record. I hate that. <laughs> pretend that didn't happen and just looking at from a development and free agency standpoint, the Dodgers are doing everything that you want out of an organization, out of if a sports going, organization. They, if you were going to root for a franchise, you would want them to run themselves yeah. the way the Dodgers run themselves. Absolutely. Like that's you. you so the Padres, I think have to keep up with that. Yeah. And I, I think agree. it's a good little precedent. Hopefully it sticks, but you know, We'll revisit the Padres in three years and find out if they're actually just the Padres. <laughs> they've traded everything for prospects, and we'll see them in right. two years, and then two years from then. Um, so I like there's going to be a core issue to all of this, and I, I believe very strongly that the core problem with what's going on here, like not with the Padres, the Padres are doing a good thing, but with everyone who's allowing them to just sort of do this without any competition, is this idea of dehumanization and commodification, right? Like players are, we mentioned this at the top of the at top at the top of the discussion. Um, players are statistical and dollar amounts, like their wins and their balance sheet figures, right? Yeah. Um, and um, winning in baseball right now doesn't seem to be about like winning as many baseball games as possible. It seems to be about maximizing your. Uh, economic results how do you build revenues how do you increase your valuations how do you how do you make your company worth more to people um and wins are great like wins are sure they're a part of this but they're stopped being about winning for the sake of winning they're more about helping improve like increase the black ink on your balance sheet um and i'm really what i'm really curious about suddenly is this idea that winning baseball games might have diminishing economic returns like is the money like the money you spend to be a 95 win team does that make you how does that relate to your revenues if you only spend to be a 90 win team versus if you are just an 87 win wild card team like is there i'm starting to wonder if they're like the what these teams look at and see is that there's no financial incentive for them to be better at baseball yeah um like that they th- there's no point in being a 95 win team because you can make just as much money by winning 90 games or like even if, if you have a bad year winning 86 that's still fine it doesn't matter because the practical application of what they're doing 
when you're looking at this wins curve versus this revenue curve and trying to find the balance and it's this seems the thing that a lot of teams have decided is you can lose as much money as you want but or you can lose as many games as you want you just have to keep an eye on where you start to lose money and that floor is lower than we really want to give it credit for like yeah they've baseball executives and ownerships ownership specifically owners have had their executives they've, they've figured out how to exploit their system where they make it so winning's not important to being successful being viewed as successful when you look at that like revenue chart from statista i think is where i got mm -hmm. that when you look at that yeah. revenue chart um success in 2019 when this when this when these when these numbers were taken it's kind of they, they don't they didn't really none of the three of the five teams at the top weren't actually that successful yeah. Not even, they I mean, the Red Sox good. won 80 something games, but they weren't that successful considering how much talent they had on the field. Um, I don't believe they even made the playoffs that year, did they? I don't think so. And if they did, it didn't go well. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Giants are, they haven't been a winning team for like uh, six years now. There's no, like, the reason, the way that they get up there. Is because their system's completely broken. The MLB is mm -hmm. completely broken, and it, yeah. it causes all these teams to just kind of like make money for existing and not necessarily for being successful or making any of their fans happy. Right. No, it's because like it seems like the way the teams get constructed now, the ideal roster is to like win just barely enough to be competitive. Um, because that's what drives revenues up is being just barely competitive enough. And then maybe you get in the playoffs and shit breaks your way and you win a title and then you can just trade on that for the next seven years. Um, and if not, you continue to just try and be just good enough. Or if you can't be good enough, be real shitty and be like, we'll be good later, everyone. Don't worry about it. Um, and like uh, the Cleveland baseball team who claims they're dropping their... Uh, current racist nickname but has also said we're actually not going to do that for like another two years yeah like, that was we're officially getting rid of it but also not yet <laughs> yeah that was weird they were like look we're yeah. doing this we're doing this thing for the better later it's like actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> we just want the good press for it right now and then we'll do it a, i don't know another time yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna do the dishes everyone next week <laughs> In the meantime, continue to put your dishes in the sink. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I was, ex, I was, I was, I, I don't excited was the word when they announced it, because when they announced it, they didn't put in the part where it would take a few years. <laughs> they announced yeah. it, and I was kind of like, oh shit, finally, okay, cool. And then that second like tidbit came through, like um, in two years, and it's like, oh okay, so never then. <laughs> So actually not. So they're not. They're, they're not. just not going to do it. Like, yeah, I, it just doesn't look like. It looks like something they're just going to go back on. Yeah, it they're probably just like, oh, this whole thing will blow over. And yeah, that's. It might be me being super skeptical, but people are racist, so yeah, they are very, <laughs> very racist, yeah. especially towards natives, which is awful. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Cleveland has been doing this thing for like seven years now where every year they're like what if we get another win worse and they're just like they seem to just like slowly be ticking down getting a little worse and a little worse and a little worse and a little worse every year 
just to see what happens. <laughs> like, like, how bad can we get before we start to notice? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, their window was open. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's still kind of open. <laughs> it's still, like, it's been open. Like, they had some chances, like, if they had tried to be real, like, bidders on, not even, I'm not even talking about, like, a Machado or a Harper, but, like, a good player here and there, they'd still, like, they'd be the favorites in the AL Central every year still. Yeah, for sure. If they if they did the thing that everyone has been afraid to do the past three years and go after a free agent, um, mm-hmm. they'd probably have seen, would see better results in the postseason, I'd imagine. Almost certainly. Um, yeah, and like, this is, again, this is about this idea of like the commodity of the player, right? Like if the, if the Indians can spend less overall on their payroll, and even though that pay, that payroll produces less per dollar, it's in the wins marketplace. If the revenue stream is the same, then what's the difference to them? Like, they don't care. Like, I don't, I think that we always, that the assumption is always like, oh, these franchises care greatly about winning baseball games. And I'm not saying they don't care at all, but they definitely care a lot less than the fan base does. Yeah. They're there, like, the business is there to make money. The business is not there to, like, win baseball games. And if it was, then they would spend money on the guy who wins the most games. Yeah. Yeah, like, players are obviously, like, very obviously being treated as dollars and wins. And, like, this is why young players who are turning into stars are so valued is because they're... You know, hey, you know what Fernando Tatis is getting paid this year? What is he getting paid? $560,000. That's kind of what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought there might be a little more, you know, because he's he's, he's a huge star. Maybe they... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Weird, weird, nope. weird. $560,000. He's arbitration eligible next year. Um... He's not going to be a free agent until 2025. Arbitration is so weird to me. It's very strange. Because it's like, they try they try and dictate what a player's value is through arbitration, but they don't seem to use any of the actual um, hardline <laughs> examples of value. <laughs> like the $8 million <laughs> so, per win is pretty... In 2019, when that was recorded pretty solid it was a pretty solid bet um there it's just math Mm -hmm. why wouldn't they use that but it always comes down to some lesser number so when it when in fact fernando tatis is worth probably like 30 million dollars a year let's say what what mathematically speaking what ends up happening in arbitration they're like we'll go to six and you're like what (laughs) that's such a small number what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) This is so so I actually looked into this because I was very curious about how arbitration worked. Um, and I did not know this, but apparently the you have until such deadline to discuss a new contract. And if you don't reach it, you go to the arbitration hearing. And in the hearing, each the player and the team each present a number that they believe is fair. You know, quote unquote, yeah. the fair number. And the arbitration court picks one. It has to be one of those two numbers. <laughs> 
They can't pick a different number than the two numbers that are presented. It has to be one of those two. That's so dumb. <laughs> because you have to go low because you know the arbiter is working for the owner. So as the player, yeah. you can't you can't actually put down your real value. Otherwise, Fernando Tatis be like forty million. That's what I'm worth, literally. Like this is just math. Like <laughs> this is like forty million. Pay me. <laughs> and the arbiter who works for baseball, who owned by billionaires, is going to be like, uh, no? <laughs> yeah, no, not a chance. And the Padres <laughs> will bring the number of one. Not one million, one dollar. <laughs> and the arbiter and actually, will have pay- to pick that one. And actually, Fernando Tatis is the one who has to pay them the one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, ar- arbitration's <laughs> weird. And it's weird that, like, your own team shits on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, dumb. it's so to stupid. like a panel of people is like this guy sucks and he doesn't fucking swing at strikes and I hate him. Then why'd you sign him, stupid? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> if he, no, we can't sign with another team. We want it, but as terrible as <laughs> the thing. Yeah, I just it can't be a great feeling if you're a player to have to do this. It almost seems like no. something like that, like the good place came up with. <laughs> It just seems absurd. (laughs) Arbitration seems absurd. It's really, it's like the fact that they can't pick a middle number or like pitch a middle number to both sides at the very least seems insane to me. Yeah. Um, But no, it's just about like. I didn't know they only had to pick the one or the other. I knew everything else about arbitration, but the thing where they pick (laughs) one number or the other, that's hilarious. I had no idea. That's a terrible game show that I hope never gets to be aired because it's awful awful that or it'd be amazing God, base, i can you imagine like regular bad. people like against i don't know just arguing with jeff bezos jeff bezos is like i think you should give me your kidney the other person is like i would like some food please and then society is like give jeff bezos your kidney <laughs> just some guy who works for jeff bezos i'm the arbiter and i like i imagine the arbiter wears like a robe and like a wig and it's like <laughs> give jeff bezos your kidney <laughs> Fernando Tatis <laughs> You give the Padres one million dollars Clink, gavel bangs He's like, I haven't even made that much yet <laughs> Fancy Gatorade only gave me 50k <laughs> They made me dye my hair And then point out that I had dyed my hair I don't even have an Adidas shoe yet I just wear dames <laughs> with cleats on them that's true. Fernando Tatis just wears dames with cleats on them, with, like, spikes. Did he have to install the spikes himself? I'm willing to bet he had to install the Jesus. spikes himself. <laughs> Adidas, please get him a shoe. Adidas sent him dames and a screwdriver. <laughs> dames and some thumbtacks. <laughs> a little bit of super glue. Oh, man. Yeah, but, but like, that arm is so... <laughs> God. Uh... But, like, thinking about it that way, you know, a player like Tatis goes into the the, uh, court of arbitration and he has to pitch a number lower than his actual value. Um, Like, he has to. He has to marginalize his own greatness because if he doesn't, he's not going to get paid what he's worth because the arbiter is never going to agree to pay him what he's worth because the gap will be too great between what a team will give him and what he's actually valued at on the market. 
even though no one pays that rate. Like, that's the other thing, is that constantly great players go out there and they're worth so much money, but they're not worth, but people don't pay them that value, so their value gets depressed by the market. Um, kind of artificially, just because teams don't care enough about getting those extra three, four wins out of one guy. They'd rather pay two guys the same amount of money to get one or two wins and be fine because it doesn't affect their bottom line you know like a competitive team who might win a lot of games with bets or a jd martinez or a nolan arenado or any of those guys like they can't see a guaranteed corporate value increase from having them so they're just not going to pay the money because they see it as too much of an initial investment as opposed to like a real real-time long-term investment and being great for an extended period of time yeah because they can barely sneak in for the next 10 years instead of be legitimate competitors for 10 years and make the same amount of money. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the teams have a, this thing that they like to do. Um, and I guess it occurs naturally because people are dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah. um, they turn the fans against the athletes. Whenever an athlete mm -hmm. makes money, um, it becomes like, oh, this guy's overpaid. Uh, this guy yeah. makes too much money. Uh, this guy's bad because he makes too much money. Uh, I don't make that much money, so this guy shouldn't make that much money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I agree that people in general should all make more money. But um, Actually, that's a case I would like to make aggressively in a court of arbitration right before Jeff Bezos takes my kid. <laughs> yeah, I would really. I'm like, hey, how about we pay everyone all this money? Jeff Bezos say no. <laughs> Jeff Bezos want your kidney now. Let me get an x-ray. Okay, Jeff Bezos want another body part. <laughs> we'll figure that out later. <laughs> jail. <Gunk. laughs> it's like, why am I going to jail now? <laughs> Arbitration, man. You're now you're in jail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, the fans, the fans get so shitty about this, and I, I hear it on so many levels, and I've talked about this with people, um, especially like. When I used to run around, I mean, I don't anymore because it's coronavirus, but in like punk rock circles um, mm -hmm. in the Bay Area, you know, none of those people care about sports. So if there's a headline going around where it's like Buster Posey makes, you know, whatever million dollars or like, oh, overpaid, you know, teachers should make more money and Buster Posey's making this much money. And yeah, teachers should get paid more money, but also teachers didn't generate that Buster Posey revenue. <laughs> you know, no, they didn't win the World <laughs> Series. Or, or how about the tweet where the dude was like, senators should be paid more money than LeBron James? And it's like, no, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> You're an asshole. That's, that's LeBron. They can't fucking dunk a basketball. Why should they get dunking a basketball money? Like that? <laughs> I wonder if there's ever been a senator who could dunk a basketball. Well, shit. Who was I mean, the dude? Barack might have been able to at some point. Who was right? the dude um, that primaried for the presidency in 2000? I think is a Republican, or was he a Democrat running against. Who primaried against Gore? Oh, I don't remember. There was an ex basketball player, but he was like an old timey white basketball player, so I think he might not have dunked ever in his life. Yeah. Uh,. May not have been God, I'm forgetting to say. I don't know if he was. I don't remember if he was a Republican or a Democrat. I do know that there was an ex-basketball player who primaried in 2000, 
which we all thought was the hell election of our time. Um, no, well, turns out news, it can only, <laughs> the world can only get worse. Uh, <laughs> it's it's top three. <laughs> it's top three now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. God. It's not even like it's not it's. It's rolling the top three is tenuous based on how the next four years go. Billy Corgan was right. The world is a vampire. The world is a vampire. It's the only good thing Billy Corgan's ever fucking said in his life. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how recording that song started. He's like, okay, I'm going to say the world is a vampire and then we start. And it's like, why? Because the world's a vampire. It's like, okay. Um, my, my understanding of how Smashing Pumpkins recording sessions went is any any indication. That recording started with him screaming at Jimmy Chamberlain mm. uh, for being on heroin, and then recording everyone's parts by himself, telling him they were all pieces of shit, and uh, then yelling at Jimmy Chamberlain until he tracked the drum part. Right. I mean, Jimmy Chamberlain was the most important part of that, because he was <laughs> the most talented one. By a of lot. All, by, by so much. A uh, very good drummer. Um, and Billy Corgan, good tone, I guess, which can be achieved by going to a guitar shop. <laughs> but Billy Corgan always had good tone, so I guess I'll give him that. And also, the world is a vampire, I guess. How is it? You know what's wild? We're sitting here trying to talk about culturally relevant uh, baseball players, and now we're talking about Billy Corgan. Yeah, this is why this is why we shouldn't be allowed to have a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, or this is why baseball players should be more famous. Oh yeah, they should be more famous, because then I don't have to talk about Billy Corgan. Right? Uh, Yeah. Well, and actually, speaking of, this is a big part of why it sucks so much that these guys don't get paid more, because their cultural relevance is just, like, nil suddenly, and actually, I think there's a... There's a give and take there between the amount of money they're making versus what they're worth versus and the uh, positioning of them against the fan versus instead of the fan against the owner that works against them as well. Like, they don't translate into the cultural marketplace the way they used to, right? Yeah. Like, we don't care. Like, we don't care about them anymore. We're a long uh, time since Ken Griffey Jr. Long time. <laughs> long, long, long time shit. since Ken Griffey Jr. Since the last, <laughs> um, I guess super super icon we've had a few kind of icons you know your barry bonds is your a rods mm-hmm. a rod's still an icon but for weirder reasons than baseball yeah. it's mostly because a yeah. rod's weird is why he's famous now and then I mean, he does have J-Lo. that famous centaur painting yeah um but uh yeah like i think there's i also think there's something to be said that um the that baseball players in general don't fit the same sort of like white heteronormative uh, mold that they used to. Um, not across the board, obviously. Like more generally, they're more ex- they're more expressive. There's way fewer white guys, and the superstars don't show up in this uh, very predictable predictable pattern, predictable mold that people think that baseball players look like anymore. Yeah. Um, so baseball doesn't know what to do with them because their baseball is totally incapable of growing with, uh, with itself. And, um, society is very slowly moving past baseball as well, but it's still moving past it. Um, so baseball's old compared to its players and old compared to society. And it has no chance of keeping up. Yeah. We went from like Derek Jeter, who mm. is like just a handsome household name, that everyone knows and America weirdly loves for some reason, yeah. 
to Christian Yelich. Everyone's grandma thinks he's yeah. Everyone's grandma thinks Derek Jeter seems like a very nice boy. Yeah, to Christian Yelich, who is Pete Davidson, the baseball player. Yeah, like <laughs> pretty much. I mean, that's cool and all because Christian Yelich is good, I guess, and like Pete Davidson's really funny, but I don't know where that fits in, you know, really to like the zeitgeist. <laughs> Actually, I think Christian Yelich is cool. I know nothing about Christian Yelich. Um, my bad, everyone, if he turned out to be problematic. <laughs> Because <laughs> you never know with a baseball player, right? Yeah. That's also oh, one God. of the things. You never fucking know with a baseball you player. You cannot trust a baseball player. A baseball player. player has to specifically say they're not racist for me to know that they're not racist. Anyway, the, I guess the, it just sucks to watch like this group of guys who like historically were heroes. These guys, All of these people should have been heroes. Like, Can you imagine the if we pretend for a moment that Fernando Tatis Jr. wouldn't have been rejected from like 19... 40s society or 1930s society for being Hispanic and that he could have just been like the baseball player he is right now in that world he would be he'd he'd be the most famous person in the world yeah by a lot he would um he would take a giant shit on Babe Ruth (laughs) Babe Ruth would would not have a goddamn thing on Fernando Tatis yeah um but instead we just kind of have a guy who's really good at a sport people have been playing for 150 years and nobody seems to give a shit. And the worst part is that neither do the people who make money off of him being good at it. No. Like, even even the owners themselves don't care. Yeah. It's a super weird, sad state for, for what was America's pastime. It is not anymore. Now it's basketball. Now it's basketball. According to us, <laughs> basketball is America's pastime. That's because I refuse to accept that football could be America's pastime because football just kind of grosses me It's just me gross out and it's bit. not great. And... But instead, there's yeah. basketball. The Clippers were down 50 at halftime, which is hysterical. I love that. Um, yeah. I love that Luca did it, and then Luca's not very good this year either. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are just having a hard time not having a preseason and having to come back and play. Uh, once again, like, why are we doing this? But this is what what's happening in the league. The teams are having to come back and play, like, two months after they just were in the playoffs. Chris Paul has made the Suns look a lot better than I thought they were going to. Like, I thought that was a really weird match, but I, I'm going to eat crow on this I love one, that man. match. Like, the Chris Paul Suns look super good. Chris Paul makes people so good. Chris Paul yeah. made DeAndre Jordan into, like, an all-NBA player yeah. like like deandre jordan's well, great though good. but like he elevated him t- to the stratosphere via his yeah. playmate now deandre now deandre ayton down there looks like a like he was not a total waste of a number one pick yeah or number two or whatever he was um devin booker has been very good um he's looks like a extremely quality scorer he's still a volume shooter who i don't think is a superstar but he's looked really, really good, um, and he's been an extremely quality uh, guy to run the offense when Chris Paul is off the floor. Yeah. Like, remember, like, actually, you know how I think about it a little bit with uh, Booker right now is you remember um, how the Thunder would r- had uh, Westbrook, Durant, and Harden, and yeah, <laughs> basically. Westbrook and Durant would leave the court, and Harden would be like, "All right, my turn," and then he would do James Harden shit for a while. <laughs> That's how I feel about Devin Booker on the Suns. Right Imagine now. having that and going, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> What's wrong? Like, oh, we have we have Westbrook and KD, and then we just send Harden out there 
to like choke a team out and it, it's so effective and they're like you know what we went to the finals with these three didn't work out let's get rid of one <laughs> <laughs> what if we had less good players yeah like a baseball team would do <laughs> <laughs> the oklahoma city thunder run themselves like a fucking baseball team that's why they're never gonna win an nba title Never, never, ever. I hope they never win one. Uh, you know, Me either. You know who I like right now? Um, the uh, Kings. I think the Kings are great. The Kings look fun. Halliburton yeah, the Kings is cool. Look really fun. Um, Every time I hear his name, I think of Dick Cheney's oil company. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. Um, I'm trying no, to... No, it's not his fault. It's, yeah, it's, it's his name. Like it's, <laughs> It does suck that Jane, Jane was watching was watching a Kings game with me and she's like, ah, oh, that sucks. His name's Halliburton. And I'm like, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> not, not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Zoom, Zoomers won't get it, but that's fine. <laughs> it's for the best. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know what? It's hell stuff and you might want to know about it, but you got, we got our own hell stuff right now. So like, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. I like the Kings. Uh, I like watching. I'm, I'm like I think high key a Pelicans fan now. I think that's yeah, just what's I happened. Buy that. They're fun, man. You got like between Ingram, Lonzo, and uh, Zion. Like those are fun players to watch. Yeah, I'm. I think is Larry Nance Jr. still down there? No, he's there? with the Cavs. He went. He uh, went okay. to Cleveland when LeBron. So what happened? Like the whole chain of events in 2018 is it's pretty funny. The way LeBron became a Laker, he plays the Lakers in March. They blow him out. It's like Isaiah Thomas, Lonzo, Ingram, Julius Randle, um, Larry Nance, um, Jordan Clarkson, and uh, Brooke mm. Lopez just beat the shit out of the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> and LeBron's like, wow, these guys are so good and talented. I'm going to, let's, let's trade for some of these guys at the deadline. I want Jordan <laughs> Clarkson and Larry Nance. Those are the wrong ones, dude. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go there and then play with some of these guys. And it turns out it just doesn't work with you, dude. It just, it's not the same. And then he's like, okay, these guys suck. I'm getting rid of all of them, except for Kyle Kuzma. You really should have traded that one. <laughs> Might like just add, you got to throw yeah, him in. He kind of did. He kind of fucked up the whole thing. The only good thing that he did with, out of it was LeBron ended up with AD, mm-hmm. which is yeah, probably the best thing you want i mean at the end I of mean, the day if that was the three-year plan i guess it works to a to perfection yeah they achieve their three-year plan goal but um i like watching the pels because it reminds me of what the lakers might have been and like they had julius randall at one point so it's kind of like zion is kind of like of like a small like a julius randall kind of but like better probably <laughs> although yeah. julius randall's pretty good right now um yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Pels are fun. The Pels are fun. I'm trying to think, like, one of my favorite LeBron as GM moves is trading Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. What a great trade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a great trade if you're LeBron. <laughs> well, because, like, that's, that's mostly a shot at Andrew Wiggins more than, like, a compliment to Kevin Love. Because Kevin Love was definitely, like, a lot worse than anticipated. Once uh, yeah. he got down to Cleveland. Yeah, it turns out being the guy who gets your own rebound and then misses and gets your own rebound and misses and gets your own rebound doesn't, like, translate to wins in the championship <laughs> level. 
Because LeBron no. doesn't do that. <laughs> That's not what LeBron teams are about. Uh, but he was still no, a you serviceable miss, If you miss player. two shots in a row on a LeBron team, you don't get the ball again. Yeah, LeBron's just mad now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Kevin Love turned out to be pretty good. Not the, not the guy. No, he's fine. Like, he's a perfectly good player. Yeah. Is the thing. Like, he's not as good as Chris Bosh. I don't think. Which I think the idea when they p- tried to pick him up was to get Chris Bosh, but, you know, different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even, like, did he really need a Chris Bosh? Like, does anyone need a Chris Bosh? Yeah. He's fine. I mean, Probably it's like, that's why, like, when really like, oh, they had the big three. I'm like, it was a big two. It was a big two. It, with was, a, it was Wade. With and a Wade guy on. who was also very good. Like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. big three was a stretch there. Uh, they had two stars, one really good player, and then, like, some other guys. Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers. Birdman. Giannis Haslam was on that team. Yeah. It was fun. I'd forgotten about Mario Chalmers. He was a good player. Yeah. I always remember it from uh, Stephen A. Smith. Well, the, the SNL version of Stephen A. Smith. Or Mario Chalmers <laughs> shouldn't be allowed to have hands to touch a basketball in the fourth quarter <laughs> of a Miami Heat basketball contest. <laughs> <laughs> NBA is fun. The Nets have been very good, um, which I guess isn't surprising. Right, um, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Can't believe the, the guys who have <laughs> Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving turned out to be a good basketball team. What kills me is I still think there's a decent chance they're going to trade all of their non-Kyrie and Kevin Durant players for James Harden, and they're just going to be stuck with those three guys and like some D-League dudes, and it's going to fall apart. I don't know. They really like their depth. Also, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie's hurt now, so <laughs> good luck trading him. And <laughs> and also, the, I don't think the Rockets want uh, any package that the Nets have. I think Probably the Rockets not. want a Sixers package, which I don't know if they it should do like it either. They seem Darryl pretty Morgan. good to you, so honest. So I don't, I don't see a team right now. That based on the basketball I have seen James Harden play for the last five or six years, I don't see a team that gets better with James Harden on it that's already a good basketball team. Yeah, um, if James Harden just started caring about the Rockets more, uh, <laughs> you could just ride this John Wall is good again wave. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but he's healthy and he's kind of he's pretty explosive. I watched him play the Kings the other day. He looked great. He yeah. didn't. He looked like the old John Wall. That's cool, and that's a Although, way better like, maybe... fit for James Harden than uh, than Westbrook was. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what uh, what James Harden needs. He's clearly he's clearly over. He doesn't Houston. want to be, and like if he doesn't if he doesn't want to be in Houston, then like he should obviously he should go. Problem is he's got a contract, and no one no one wants to pay con- what he's what, yeah no one wants to give up what what he's what it would take to actually get him, and the Rockets mm-hmm. would just end up not getting something great in return, and mm-hmm. yeah, and they're not going to do that like, and nor should they like, it sucks that everyone's stuck in an unhappy marriage now, but yeah. this is business, not you know. Yeah. Not anything else. Be cool if they could just send him to the Warriors <laughs> somehow, you know? <laughs> just make that happen. But um I don't know if the Rockets are interested in getting Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> so <laughs> So that it's just I don't think that's gonna work. And Andrew Wiggins career highlights. Traded for Kevin Love, traded for James Harden, 
End of list. Traded for D'Angelo Russell in the middle of that. Yeah, but D'Angelo Russell was only good for like three quarters. D'Angelo Russell's still good at basketball. Where, I think, you know what, now? actually, I don't actually know if that's true. I'm just saying this where because is, he was just, a late guy. I don't know where he is, so I am assuming Minnesota. he's not as good as he is. Is it Minnesota? Oh, yeah, he's bad. Damn it. <laughs> you know what, I'm going to believe, I'm not going to look up the numbers on that. Yeah, sure, he's bad now. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, like Minnesota, every time someone's like, "Oh, Minnesota's gonna be good this year," they either like barely squeak into the eight seed or they disappear. I've been saying that like, since 2015. For... It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like I would feel bad for Carl Anthony Towns, who seems like a very good basketball player, but the Timberwolves fucking suck. I don't know why. Even like they had Kevin Garnett, one of the possibly five best basketball players ever, and still never did anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Timberwolves not going to be great. I keep I, I kept saying like every year, I was like, ah, the Timberwolves, it's going to be their year. They're going to come up. You know, they have Cat, they have Wiggins, guys are there also. <laughs> I think they, they have Rubio, and now they have Rubio again. I don't know, man. Eh. I think Ricky Rubio caught a bad rap because everybody thought he was going to be the second coming, and instead he was a perfectly fine basketball player. He's a good playmaker. I like him. Mm-hmm. He's like a 12, 6, and 3 guy. It's fine. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I think his, 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 his game suits a lot of teams. I think that his type of game suits probably most teams because he's just like kind of a prototypical point guard. Mm-hmm. Maybe it maybe doesn't, he doesn't play he doesn't that much defense, but it's like whatever, dude. Neither, neither do a lot of more, more uh, point guards. guards. I, unless, <laughs> I guess, like peak Chris Paul, um, Lonzo. <laughs> Lonzo plays mm-hmm. defense. Patrick Beverly, weirdly a defensive point guard that works somehow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's only so many of them, really. Um, what team do you have making a step into like finals territory or like may becoming a threat? Not necessarily doing it. But becoming a, do you have one or do you think it's just there's not going to be that much parity with regards to the top four or five teams in the league? And do you think it'll just be, you know, kind of the same list? I think it's going to be pretty close to the same list. I think that, like, obviously the big difference there is that the Nets are like an entirely right, right, right. different basketball team. So I think, so I want to ignore yeah, them. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, yeah. Ignoring the Nets, because like, that's, that's describe, cheating. Yeah, yeah, ignoring the Nets, because, like, obviously they're new, like, they're a new yeah. team in the conversation, but that's because yeah. they had Kyrie for, like, 20 games and not Kevin Durant at all, and now they have both of them, and they both look fantastic. Um, I think, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question incorrectly, because I don't think this team is going, like, necessarily going to take the step into contention, but it's the team that I really want to see start moving towards being a regular playoff team and being successful. So I want to see the Grizzlies do it, because mm-hmm. I'm really rooting for Ja Morant. I really want him to be good. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I actually think, I actually think the top, the top of the conferences are kind of going to solidify this year. Like, I think the Jazz are worse. I think the yeah, Nuggets see the are jazz. playing, like, shit. And I don't know why. Like the only player on the Nuggets playing well is Jokic, who has I think three triple doubles in five games, which is nuts. But he's still he's is, still really good. Yeah. But he, I mean, Jamal Murray is a slow starter. They always start slow. Michael Porter Jr. still doesn't seem to know how to play defense, and apparently he got coronavirus or like oh, broke protocols shit. or something. Um, so 
Which, for a guy who's uh, a an, uh, known anti-vaxxer, getting a uh, horrible disease seems like a really poor choice. Michael Porter uh, Jr. is a known anti-vaxxer. He is, yes. Please feel free to Google that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take your word for it. There's really no reason for you to lie about that <laughs> one. Unless there's some like crazy shit behind the scenes there that uh, that I need to know about. I'm going to... Nah. All right. No, Fuck. I mean, as far as I know, Michael Porter Jr. is an anti-vax guy. Weird, weird, uh, weird, 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 weird shit. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Also bad to know. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really want to know that. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, shit. I kind of think, like, everyone wants Portland and Dallas to enter the fray. Because that would obviously <laughs> coincide with Dame entering the conversation because that can't happen mm-hmm. unless Dame takes the next step and also can't happen without Luca taking the next step. But it's like, mm-hmm. are those teams going to be better than say a Clippers or a Nuggets? No, they're, no. They're, that's, like, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the thing is like, no, they're not like Luca's amazing. And I hope the Mavericks continue to build around them. And I hope we see them turn into real contenders in like two or three years. Yeah. But that's like, that's the time frame we're on. Like, it's not this year. Yeah. It's not this one. I'm like it's which I'm sorry. Um, the time frame we're on this year is we're still looking at projected a Lakers Clippers Western Conference Finals to see who stomps out whoever's in the East. I don't even know if they would stomp out. Like they look tired. The Lakers look tired, and I don't think they're going to yeah, we'll get see. less tired as the season goes. I've been watching them every game, and it's like, ooh, God, they don't move. They do not move, and getting a fifty-year-old Marcus. <laughs> is not helping things uh i miss javel (laughs) i miss javel a lot um god even dwight moved more it's they look slow they look they look sluggish they look like a team that played a shit ton of basketball in 2020 and now has to go play a shit ton of basketball again I sometimes wonder how much of LeBron's career at this point, because like, I think obviously he wants to win more and win more titles, but I think that like what's creeping up on the list of his priorities is to still be in the league when Bronny gets drafted. I think that's kind of the thing. That's what he's going for. Now that that's, mm-hmm. I mean, wh- how good he is at that point um, is going to be, who knows, but I, he wants to be around mm-hmm. for it. And I yeah. think some team is going to want to like, draft him and get lebron the last thing yeah the last thing on lebron's career checklist is step on a court with Bronny jr <laughs> i think that would be awesome and, I, I yeah it would have to be a team bad enough to have to like you know if because <laughs> they i imagine maybe Bronny is a very very good player or prospect um i don't know what his mm-hmm. star rating is i don't like He's looking 14. at high school players you know He's he's fourteen. Yeah, years exactly. Old. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm just gonna assume, for the sake of like theater, that he's like a top prospect coming out of college, yeah. or you know, out of the draft, and he it will take a bad team to draft him. Then LeBron James will have to be like, I want to sign to that bad team, and they're like, <laughs> we don't have the cap space, and he's like, fuck. <laughs> is there like a Wiggins on that team to trade? And they're like, weirdly enough, there is an Andrew Wiggins that we could trade on this team. It's actually, it actually is, again, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> uh, with every bad team, there is an Andrew Wiggins there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it would it would have to be a lot. And I think, but I think he wants to. And what he showed uh, in LA, specifically from getting to LA to doing what he wants in LA 
to get it winning a title in LA. Um, it showed that he has a way more pull than anyone ever truly expected him to have. He yeah. can do whatever he wants. He moves mountains. So if he wants it, I think he'll do it. It'll just be weird and kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it. I think it'd be yeah. fun. I think it'd be cool to see him both at the court together. All right. Um, I think we're. we're I think that's now. it. Is there someone that you want to you want to be not nice to? Um, nah. Yeah, I don't feel it either. Not right yeah. now. Joe Lacob can go fuck himself. That's about it. Someone I need to apologize to besides Andrew Wiggins and Warriors fans. I think Andrew Wiggins deserves an apology. Sorry. Um, that everyone is mad. Everyone, all the fans of all the teams you play for are mad at you all the time. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're a really nice guy, man. Sure, I'm yeah. Sure <laughs> no one's ever said anything bad about you as a person. I've never... Stack did, yeah. He had Stack a feud did? with oh. Stack like two years ago. But God, it's been such a weird... Yeah. yeah, whatever. Like, Andrew Wiggins not a bad guy. So, I don't know. Sorry, Andrew Wiggins. Sorry, Devin Booker. I kind of believe in you. <laughs> you just need to apply a bigger sample size to your Devin Booker hatred. You just need to like... <laughs> there just needs to be more time for you to develop your... I just think he's a volume shooter. That's yeah. it. Like, I just think like everyone's excited like he scores a lot. He's just a volume shooter. Those, That's it. It's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Those are fun-ish. go to that arbitration <laughs> i want to avoid that arbitration at all costs <laughs> that seems bad i don't think i win that one <laughs> just that now like now jeff bezos has more money than he was on the planet and my kidneys what does he mine for they're not even that good <laughs> well, mine, I'm sure mine are terrible. This is why are we doing this so uh, bye internet i'm waving <laughs> good night everybody